Welcome to the Media Mavens Podcast, brought to you by the Evergreen Network. The Media Mavens Podcast is where you'll hear the latest and greatest trends, topics, and tribulations with industry leaders. And here is your host of the Media Mavens Podcast. She is the original Media Maven, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, your host for Media Mavens Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Joe Pirates. Hey, Joe. Hey, how you doing, Sarah? Very good day here in Tucson. How's it going out there in uh, Beverly Hills? Uh, it's going to rain pretty soon, but, you know, it is what it is these days. Okay, I'm not even going to cut. I'm going to cut through the intros and chit-chat. I'm excited. Stephen Crystal's here with us today. Normally, we kind of banter, chat about what's going on this time and topical and everything. But, Stephen, I have missed Vegas for a while, and you are the CEO and founder of SCCG Management, a big online gambling, sports betting, casino, I don't know, a company. You guys are covering everything from the tables to what's going on in the world. And we were chatting a little bit before the podcast. So I just wanted to jump on in because there's some exciting stuff going on. How you guys, you're basically just innovated old school Vegas to now it's all virtual and all online from sports, um, esports, traditional sports. Blackjack, everything. I've seen a lot of online and mobile gambling apps and stuff. And I know we are going to cover the fact that you're going to Arizona to, I think, bring sports betting to the market there. But welcome to our show. And like, tell us about what's going on because you're wearing a Bet Fred sports baseball hat. What's going on in your world these days? Well, at first, it's nice to nice to be here with you. And uh, uh, having been in the gambling industry for 30 years, we're at probably the most exciting time in the history of the gambling industry in America. And is that probably, because of COVID? Is that because you can't be physically in? Well, you can now. I'm sorry to interrupt you. You're saying this because of COVID, we're all forced to stay at home and to place our bets from our computers? I think what happened with COVID is that if there was a trend that existed before COVID, then what COVID did was make the trend happen quicker. So even before COVID, uh, states were moving to approve sports wagering in the casino, and some states were approving it online through your mobile device. As a result of COVID, more states got on the bandwagon. Upwards now of 30 states have either legalized or will legalize some form of sports wagering and online casino. Where is it legal now? How many states have it now? Uh, 12 states have it now. Uh, I mean, everywhere from New Jersey and Pennsylvania, New York is moving towards full legalization as we speak. As you move across the country, Iowa, West Virginia, R2, Mississippi, and you keep moving, uh, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa. And as you keep moving further, you've got new jurisdictions coming on board, including Arizona, California, Florida. Uh, I mean, basically, there won't be a state that isn't included. Connecticut is right behind. So within the next two or three years, you'll have close to 30 states with some form of legalized sports wagering and or online casino. Because it's it's always been Vegas. You have to walk into the sports betting cages. You can only do it there for so long. Now I could just open a online sports betting account and place my best on Sunday football or whatever I want to do. And it hasn't been, but it, but it, if it's the system's been in place to do it, I so, guess, how is it illegal if any, because you're all online? Well, look, even with legalized sports betting, I would say a good 
sixty percent of the of the population that bets on sports still you bets on illegal books in Costa Rica and Curacao, or they bet with their local bookie. This still occurs to this day, and and it's still the majority of activity. But with legalized sports wagering, which is now going state to state, more and more people are figuring, why not do it legally? I'll report my winnings and pay taxes if I win. And at least I can trust the system. If I wager and I win, I'm going to get my money. And so that just like the legalization of marijuana, it's all above board now. What started this was a Supreme Court case that the governor of New Jersey fought. And it repealed the Wire Act. In essence, it repealed PAPSA, which was which said that only Nevada and New Jersey could have sports wagering. And so what it did was it opened it up because New Jersey said, well, if if Nevada can have it, New Jersey should have it. And if Pennsylvania wants it or California wants it, they should have it. And the Supreme Court in 2018 agreed and said any state that wants it can have it as long as it happens within the boundaries of the state. And uh, eventually, now with a new new president and new government, it's soon going to be such that, in essence, all the states will be interconnected, similar to like Powerball or Megabucks. And basically, you'll be able to place a bet and have liquidity pools that go around the country. Right. This is where we've evolved to in just three years. It's exploded. Now, again, I have two questions. One of them, I want to get into what you're doing over at um, SCCG Management and your history. But real quickly, is it lottery tickets a form of gambling? And that's everywhere. Yeah, so has- lot- lottery tickets are a creature of, of uh, state bureaucracy. So they're created by states to raise money for schools or for other good causes. And that has been in existence in most states forever. And, and lotteries also, in some cases, participate in sports wagering and online casino as that gets legalized. But most of the growth is occurring with casino groups, people who own casinos like Caesars and MGM, and also Indian tribes, tribal gaming, which exists in 20 states, and also companies like DraftKings and FanDuel, who were legalized fantasy sports companies who became legalized sports betting companies. So now you you go well beyond the lottery, which was a creature of the government. And now you have private companies from all over the world coming to America and within America, growing an industry that when it's done will be bigger than the American defense industry. It'll be almost 4% of our GDP and it will be legalized online casino and online sports wagering. And we're just at the beginning of it. Wow. With uh, with all the gambling that is going on in the states that we see, the 13 states, are you seeing a noticeable increase in the state coffers from the gambling? Yes. I mean, New Jersey, in the span of one year, has already surpassed the handle that Nevada has grown over 50 years. Wow. Um, that should put it in perspective. Um, soon, Pennsylvania will surpass New Jersey. So the amount of money that's being made is is even with COVID, even with all the challenges is tremendous. And it isn't affecting. The big concern always was, well, if I spend money online, will I spend less at the casino? And the truth of the matter is that, that ne- it never works out that way. It, you, it is not a zero sum game. And so what it does is it educates more and more people to gamble, many of whom are novice bettors. And that makes them want to come in 
into the sports book or the casino even more. So what we're seeing is both an increase in online activity and brick and mortar activity, even with uh, COVID restrictions. Well, it's because you guys took such a basic brick and mortar entertainment play and you've leaned on tech with digital and mobile out there. There was nowhere to go but up revenue wise. People are getting savvy. There's so much out there. Now, you're at SCCG Management. You have such a great history of from casinos, gambling, sports betting. Tell us a little bit more about, I mean, what your company does and your history, because you're very knowledgeable in this space. So I'm assuming you've kind of started off doing this years ago and have evolved as the technology has evolved. Yeah. So I, I started actually probably with the best training for what I've ended up doing. I started out actually in, in politics and uh, both as an elected official at a very young age, uh, serving in the in the New Hampshire legislature when I was a college student at Dartmouth to running presidential campaigns. I ran several at a very high level. I decided to not go into a career in politics. I got a law degree instead in Washington, D.C. And then I moved to a to Kansas City, Missouri. And at the time I moved, they were re- approving riverboat gambling, which was the first expansion of casinos outside of Atlantic City and Vegas. And I was an expert in land use. So they had to come to me to get an opinion that said they could put a riverboat in a particular location. And that's at age 26, that's how I got into the casino industry as an expert in land use permits for riverboat casinos. That ended up leading into a transaction where I owned a piece of real estate that a $500 million casino was built on in Kansas City called Kansas City Station Casino. And when that was sold, we took the money from from that success and we parlayed it into buying six casinos on Fremont Street in Vegas. So I was a casino owner. uh, which, Which casinos? We own the plaza, which still exists to this day. The Plaza Casino, when it was built in 1970 and 71, was the largest casino in Las Vegas at the time. This was before the uh, expansion on the Strip. And that was the casino that, if you remember from the movie Casino, the scene with uh, Sharon Stone and, and Robert De Niro, they're in the steakhouse and they're arguing and looking down Fremont Street. That was the plaza. It's, it's, a, it's an iconic place and it still exists to this day. The Vegas Club we owned across the street was knocked down a year ago and a, a billion dollar casino called Circa was just constructed in its place. We owned a bunch of real estate that we sold to Tony Shea, who, who sadly recently passed away. Tony Shea, the for, founder of Zappos, and he redeveloped a lot of downtown on the real estate that we had owned. And then we had some lesser casinos, which have made way for redevelopment of downtown. But we were there in the in the early 2000s. We sold out uh, in the in the mid 2000s and we went to Oklahoma and we built casinos with the Native Americans. And then since then, after selling everything, I've just functioned as an investor and an advisor in gaming technology and gaming development and products and games all over the world. We do it in the US, we do it in places like Brazil and Vietnam, we do it in Europe and in Africa, Uh, in India. uh, We're considered probably the preeminent boutique advisory company for sophisticated developments in the gaming technology space. And right now we're one of the leaders in sports betting technology. 
One thing I've noticed when I watch a lot of uh, European sports is seems to have a lot of uh, advertising, especially on the, the boards down there of, you know, bet on this or bet on that. And they have the different places where you can bet on the games. Do you foresee that happening here? You're already seeing it. Jamie Foxx did a, a multi, you know, 50, 60, $70 million deal for MGM, the king of sports. In some states, you're seeing spends of uh, companies are spending five or 10 million a week on advertising. Some people are fed up with it already in places like Colorado. You, you haven't seen anything yet. In places like New Jersey, companies are spending $1,500 to acquire a customer that may be worth only $1,000. And when you're doing that kind of spending, you're going to see a lot of ads. You're going to see a lot of billboards. You're going to see a lot of Facebook and, and digital you know, intervention because it's very fierce comp competition to get your share of the market right now. And a lot of that happens to be with, uh, like, I, I, I would imagine DraftKings and FanDuel. Am I correct? Obviously, uh, DraftKings and FanDuel are the 800-pound gorillas. They, are a, they, they created themselves by raising billions of dollars to create a brand. They never made money as a fantasy sports company. And they're now starting to try to make money as a sports betting company. And they have a database and a brand. So I think it's they've been successful, even though they're not a traditional casino company. Uh, they're at the top. But there are companies like MGM, BetMGM, and Caesars, and, and some lesser-known companies like Rush Street Gaming and Golden Nugget. There will be a fierce competition, and then eventually there'll be consolidation. And in the end, you'll have 10 companies that control 80% of the market, and you'll have 20 or 30 or 40 companies that control little slivers of the market. And that's how the market will develop over the next five, 10 years. Let me, so let me ask you a question. Cause I mean, on a gaming technology side, I know a lot's been emerging out of that area. I want to talk to you about what products and new things are coming out of that, but casinos are always so the security levels of the casinos. And then we see all these movies, oceans, 10 and everything and oceans nine there's oceans eight and you know the sophistication of the technology to keep so much in the house people are betting on the boxing matches sports games are the is it are the casinos adapting to this new technology because i know like if you took that the music industry labels are not adapting to new technologies spotify pandora's is turning the industry over because they've got to open up to the digital side of sharing it took them a long time to really adapt to that for security, RAA, reasons and rights. Do you see the casino industry following that same slow trend or are they quicker to adapt because so much money securities is running in and out of these casinos as it is? I I'll give you the best example. In general, the casino industry is a lot like the entertainment industry that, that you described being slow to adapt. A good example was we, we now take for granted that when you go to a slot machine in Vegas, and you put your money in the machine and you, you get a ticket when you're done and that ticket is barcoded and has a certain value. You can go to an ATM-like machine and exchange the ticket for cash or you can take the ticket to another machine or a table game and basically exchange it for credits on the slot machine or chips at the table. That evolution going from coins that fell into a hopper and you gathered up the coins and took it to a machine that counted all the coins, it took 11, 12, 13 years in the gaming industry to move to ticket in, ticket out, this barcoded ticket, which saves 25% in the cost of operation. 
So the in, it, previously, the gaming industry has been very slow to adapt. But because of COVID, because of the movement to the new digital age with online gaming, now I would say the gaming industry is among the quickest to adopt. And now you're seeing casinos move to digital wallets. So you can now go into Station Casino, Red Rock. You can go to Red Rock Casino in Las Vegas. You can basically go in with your smartphone. You can have a digital wallet. You can have currency on your digital wallet and you could transfer your currency on your phone to the slot machine. You can get winnings and transfer it back to your cell phone and have it in your digital wallet. Or you can go take your digital wallet to an ATM-like machine and transfer the digital credits for cash. Soon, you'll be able to do the same thing with Bitcoin. This is not far off for the gaming I was just going to ask you about the Bitcoin on the digital wallets because it's not traceable. And a lot of money is moving through the blockchain technology pass. Are are some of these bigger guys like Caesars, the Win? are some of these bigger guys adapting to this digital and mobile movement? Uh, I would say that the Win. The win traditionally, because of their previous founder, was a, was kind of against the digital age. They were more kind of dinosaurs wed to the brick and mortar experience. But with the movement to the new leadership, win is trying to be a player. Whether they'll be successful and make a full transformation to to digital remains to be seen. I, it's hard to count the win out because they're such a fine brand. So I would say that they're likely to be successful. Um, if you look at some other companies like Caesars, they've gone through some mergers and acquisitions. I think Caesars, I'm very close to their organization. I think they're going to be hugely successful at leveraging brick and mortar casinos with digital assets. And I think the same for MGM. So, and a host of other companies like Penn Gaming is a regional operator and they partnered with Barstool Media, which has been yeah. one of the most successful uh-huh. deals between media and gambling ever, ever. Mm-hmm. And that was done in the last year. When, when you come down to uh, states that need help with your help when it comes to gambling, like you, like you said, you'll be coming down to Arizona when Arizona begins to uh, start uh, sports gaming. What does that entail? What does your job entail when you come down here? So basically, when when I go out, I spend uh, about 300 days a year, even during COVID, I haven't slowed down. I used to travel just internationally doing gaming technology and development. But my focus the last three years is just in America. And basically, every week, I'm in a different part of the country, because pretty much the entire country's in play. Like the whole month of March, I'll be in California. There's 127 casinos in California. There's 57 or so tribes. What I do is I work directly at the grassroots level, casino by casino, general manager by general manager, tribe by tribe. I find out what their needs are. What type of partner are they looking for? What type of experience do they want to provide to their customers? And I have in my ecosystem of technology, I have everything from traditional sports betting to in-play sports betting, to virtual sports, Mm -hmm. fantasy sports, live casino, which is streaming live games into your cell phone. You could be sitting in your living room playing a specific blackjack table from your favorite casino. You could be playing it from your living room, or you could be playing your favorite slot machine at a particular casino, playing it on your 
mobile phone in your living room. So the technology is real time. It's instantaneous. The content is, it's not just a static environment of a hundred or a thousand slot machines. It's content that changes every 15 days. So what I'm doing is educating, is listening, is really touching and feeling the brick and mortar environment because that, that's ultimately your customer. When it comes down to that, so let's say with uh, the casinos that we have down here in Tucson, Casino del Sol and Desert Diamond. So I would be able to log on to their site. Are, are we hoping that they'll have a site where yeah. I could maybe you know bet on sports or maybe so, bet on the tables? I've been to both of those casinos. Casino del Sol is quite nice. I've been to Desert Diamond, just built a new casino near closer to, to Phoenix. What will happen in Arizona is you will be able to go to a casino and go to a sports book and have a retail window like you do in Vegas. You'll be able to go to a kiosk, okay? You'll be able to go to a bar top slot machine that has video poker and sports betting. You'll be able to put an app on your phone and while you're in the casino, basically bet during the NFL game, you'll be able to go home and and you'll be able to load seven different casinos if you want and basically place bets with seven different operators in the state of Arizona if you want to. That's very interesting. And this is, and you, you know, you're going to be in California soon. Then you said Arizona. Is that because these are two of the states that are going to start legalizing gaming? So you're kind of making your way through. Right. I would say, um, obviously, California represents uh, 40% of the entire gaming activity in the United States. One one state. Really? I, I was at, was at Morongo on the way yes. to Palm Springs, and it was like three years ago. As there was um, some friends, and it, it felt very, compared, because I love Vegas. I mean, I miss being in Vegas with COVID, but I feel like it was very old school. It wasn't very innovative. It wasn't really up. It was very kind of Back in the day, actually, you know, I don't know when you were there last, but they just went through almost a billion dollar renovation. So, so, and I actually know the the person, the GM who was responsible for that one considered one of the most innovative people in our industry, amazing guy. Uh, But what I would say to you is, they were the first to announce digital markers. So now instead of having to to do a a marker, which is credit for playing a black, you're, you you like blackjack. I think you, you said you like black. Yeah. So instead of going and getting a marker, you can apply for your marker online and basically transfer it. You can exchange it digitally with a digital wallet for chips at the table. So now you're playing on credit and all of that's being done digitally. They were the first casino in, in the U.S. to do digital credit. Well, that's just a step away from making that more routine. That's a huge advancement. So I would say that, yes, in in general, these places were old school because there wasn't that much competition. They made tons of money. But now the competition is more fierce. And now everyone is getting on the technology bandwagon. So you will start to see a ton of innovation in these casinos in California, for example. So I'm going to be in Vegas to end of May for the soccer cup. And so I can literally be sitting there watching the soccer cup on the field, gambling and playing blackjack at the Cosmo Aria. and just on my phone. It's just yeah. going to be that simple. It's interesting because I know there's so much out there and they always say, you know, people have gambling issues. They're spending so much money in Vegas, the whole thing. I would feel like now that it's so much easier to spend money, to make money. It's actually... Think about it this way. If you're in a casino and you play with cash, 
There's a lot of ways for you to avoid being tracked. So they don't know if you have a problem. But if you do things digitally, it's easier to track your activity. So my argument is, even though digital casinos are easier to interact with, they're also easier to track your behavior and create an alert if you're abusing because you leave a digital footprint because you're all online. Are the casinos, I mean, let's talk about the security aspect. I mean, we all know blockchain is not traceable. It's used for so much stuff. Is there a concern or is there a um, coming up a tighter plan for security for hackers and for all of this, um, for AI, yeah. ethical hacking and stuff into the system? You know, I remember Sheldon Adelson, who just passed away, who was the founder of the Venetian, he had a breach about two, three years ago. It was a huge data breach. And he brought in Mossad. You know, he has ties to Israel. So he brought yeah. in Chinese, uh, not Chinese, Israeli intelligence. Yeah. And they put the state-of-the-art security in the Venetian. And what makes security good is when you can't see it. You can't, you don't know what they're deploying. So I guess what I would say is this. What's really interesting about Vegas on security is, it's highly sophisticated, more than, than we could ever discuss, and it's invisible, which is really, you know, when we had, we had shootings over time, we've had the threat of terrorism. This used to be a major concern about Vegas, but I will tell you, Vegas is a place to go crazy and lose yourself, but it is a place that will always routinely be safe because there's so much sophisticated stuff that you don't know about that occurs in yeah. Vegas. As, as a online gambler, what would be your, your advice on staying safe while you are online gambling? What, you know, steps can I take to make myself safer? Look, obviously, obviously there's a school of thought that uh, once you open yourself up to e-commerce, you open yourself up to everything from people snooping at your behavior and like uh, the Googleization, you know, they're, 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 they're snooping on you and sending you things. How did they know I want cameras? Well, you know, they, they follow your footprint and they know everything from that to, you know, is my money safe? Is my data safe? Is my transaction safe? And what I would say is, unfortunately, it's like the world changes. You can't, you can exist in the old school or the old world, but you're going to become a dinosaur. Uh, unfortunately, if you want to be relevant and with it, you got to kind of grasp the new technology. You got to take a leap of faith. And you have to hope that companies like Betfred, like Wynn, like some of the ones we've talked about are responsible and, and thinking of the customer and deploying technology that protects them. Because I will tell you, I, half of my day is spent talking to people who are developing the future technology five years from now, 10 years from now. A lot of people say that the blockchain, that's the biggest benefit to employing it in the casino industry, is it will provide that safety. Uh, and I actually think you'll see the blockchain wholly adopted in the gaming industry for sure. Well, so, the BTC is, I mean, entertainment has become huge. It's been a great way to transfer safe, secure data, quicker, faster. It's not hackable. So the fact that the gaming industry is stepping up and like leaning on this kind of technology a tremendous step forward for them across Agreed. the board. We have all of the stuff you can, we have online gaming, sports, I mean, so many different types of this esports. What is the biggest or most popular downloader? Is gambling or I, betting thing? Is it sports? Yeah, is it esports? Is it? Now here's what I would say. 
The reason sports is getting so much focus has to do with the changing demographic. It used to be when I started in the gaming industry 30 years ago, we talked about the blue hair, the blue hairs. These were people who had bad dye jobs. No, they were older people with blue hair who sat at the slot machines and, and grinded away putting, putting coins in the slot machine. And that was 80% of our revenue was what went into the slot machine. Wow. Now you go to a casino in Vegas, 55% of the revenue, 60% of the revenue doesn't even come from gambling. It comes from entertainment. It comes from shows. It comes from festivals. It comes from retail, other things. But the point there is, is that the demographics are changing. All you have to do is go to a casino and we would all feel like, well, you know, maybe I'm not, I'm not so hip here anymore. I'm, I'm getting a little past my casino days. The demographic is changing. And so what you're going to see is that sports betting and esports and things like the skill-based gaming are the future because that's what young people feel comfortable doing. And we can create gamification and gambling around this content. So I look at sports betting as making the transition to the next generation. It's the slot machine of the future because I can do sport bets every kick in a soccer match, every pitch in a baseball game, every point in a tennis match can be a bettable event. And technology allows us to do that. So the reason that you're seeing all the attention on sports betting is because it brings in the next generation of gamblers. Well, there's more options to bet. Like I said, every point, every run, every base. You can, I can spend 20 bucks that you're going to get from second to third base in the next pitch. I mean, there's it's, it's just, it breaks it down to the minutia of go right or go left and every move and everything they do, every swing, every shot, every color of time they tie their shoes, there's always more money to be made. I always assume sports betting, the biggest draw was Football, Sunday football, Thursday football, Super Bowl, the matches. Is football still the dominant sports bet? But football is about, if you include college, uh, which everyone's who's gone to it, my son goes to Wisconsin. I've been to a game there. Anyone who's gone to a big school knows how important college football is as well. But if you include college, it's almost 60%. The, the Super Bowl alone represents uh, 10% of your whole business for the year. One event. So I guess what I'm saying to you is football is dominant. Then next would be based on the schedule, Major League Baseball, because of the number of games, then NBA and NHL. And then you've got golf and tennis. And then you've got, so I, yesterday I was on the phone with the Drone Racing League. The day before I was on the phone with the Sumo League. Did you even know there was a Sumo League? <laughs> a World Sumo League. Is, is there, is there going to be like the X Games, the Olympics? A hundred percent. Everything. So so it's, it's and all of it's online, which is interesting because I mean I'm a huge sports fan. My favorite is basketball, football, hockey. Joe is a sport was a sportscaster, runs the hockey league. Can we bet on hockey on a college level, a collegiate level, or is it yeah. only certain sports or professional levels? Yes. Joe. Okay, I've just you've opened up a can of worms here, Sarah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this right now. My thought, not a thought, but a question. How do you handicap esports and drone racing? The way you do it, I, I actually own interest in companies. I own an interest in a company called Auden that's based in Prague. It's, it's some Russian mathematicians and scientists. Actually, with drone racing, there's a lot of data uh, because everything's mechanical. With esports, because it's done through a server, 
you basically collect data points by the billions. Anything where you can collect data, you can establish betting lines. And so the bottom line is you can establish betting lines on anything that you can collect data on. That's the short answer. And one thing, I hope I'm not getting anybody in trouble here, but I, I took a look at the BetFred site. Yes. Now, what, is Bet Fred, what is BetFred anyways? BetFred is, yeah, BetFred is the largest independently owned bookmaker in the world out of the UK originally. And we're slowly becoming one of the top sports betting companies in America. Now, now that I put it, pulled it up, when betting becomes legal in Arizona, will I be able to get on, you know, I'm, I'm taking a look at it now saying it's intriguing that I would be able to go on there. And uh, right. it's, my, it's my job to make sure you can bet on a BetFred site in Arizona. That's my job. Once it's legal. Once it's legal. Yes. Now, I, I know there's a lot of sites that have been out there that haven't been legal, but nobody's been really big brother watching them. Is there any sites out there that people are on that they're still on that? Well, know, hey, the, the truth of the matter is more bets are placed in illegal books than in legal books by the billions and billions and billions, billions. But how do people know if it's, what they're on is legal or illegal? Anybody who's betting other than through a recently approved sports betting site is betting on an illegal site. They're using payment mechanisms that circumvent the U.S. currency laws. Now, it's not technically, I can't go arrest you for placing a bet, but I can arrest the people who are operating the site. But it is considered to be illegal bookmaking to bet on an offshore site, one in Costa Rica, one in Curacao. You can only bet on a legal site that's been approved in one of the 13 states in the U.S. But most of the betting occurs on illegal sites. The government will crack down on them as gambling expands in the U.S. They're not going to allow this to continue. They will find ways to crack down on it. But it's going to take a little bit of time. Now, what about like, you know, we have insider trading, which is very clear if you place buy stock. I mean, stock's a gamble. Everybody's gambling. It's still considered gambling to some extent. And, you know, if I get information, you know, it's insider trading. How does that work with all this online gambling? And not to like just hypothetically, Joe. Hypothetically, you are a sportscaster. You run hockey. I was a sportscaster a long time ago. So if you're running a collegiate hockey game, you know certain information. I go to you because I want to hop on Bet Fred. Is the same rules? Do the same rules apply if I'm going to Joe to ask him for inside information because he knows the teams and the plays really well? Or is it still? Yeah. So what I would say to you is we've had scandals in America. We had an NBA scandal where a referee was betting and giving information. Remember Pete Rose? Pete Rose, Tim Donahue. Yeah. Now, what we do now is we have something called an integrity fee. So there's a tax that all the betting companies pay to organizations that are supposed to monitor this type of activity. By and large, there have been issues in Europe with some of the secondary and tertiary leagues. I think they've determined that any three or four players in cahoots can throw a soccer match, for example. So there are ways to cheat. There will always be cheating. In a casino, we have millions of eyes in the sky. We have all kinds of sophisticated technology, but people still come up with ways to cheat the casino. So nothing, nothing, nothing is foolproof. Okay, what if, what if I made, okay, remember one of the Super Bowls? It was so stupid, I was laughing, where they said it was, I think with the Pats one, they said, oh, well, the balls were deflated, so it was easier to grab. I don't understand what the deflated balls, where it's easier to grab or to throw. What if I placed 
a million dollar bet. And then they decided a week or two later, hey, you guys, that was against leagues. Yeah, Can I get my money back? This happened early on FanDuel. Someone won a parlay and FanDuel didn't want to pay it. And uh, they got beat up so bad. So there are like the presidential election. I hate to bring up. But you you place a bet on the elections. Yes. In in Europe, in Europe, not in America. Dang. We could have cleaned up here in this last round. Well, sorry. You want to open that can of worms. (laughs) <laughs> but you know what? For about two weeks, when when we didn't know what the heck was going on in the world, they couldn't settle the bets in Europe. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying to you is integrity is important, right? Yes. Betting on it. And there are mechanisms to make sure there's integrity. It's like everything we do from elections to traditional sports, to slot machines, esports, like everything's, there's always a, we leave a visual footprint no matter what we do. We could gamify almost anything. And play space. It's almost like a really funky sci-fi movie. You know what someone called me the other day? I get pitched at like 10 things a day, but they said, here's an app where you get you bet every 10 seconds whether Bitcoin's gonna go up or down. That's the bet. It's a it's called a binary game. Oh, is that legit? Yes no, up or down. Is that legit? That's like that's like Russian roulette. You just red or black. It's 50-50. 50-50. Is that legitimate? I think it's gray. But uh, there's a movie that came out like years ago. I forgot the name of it where it was a truth or dare movie where I an anonymous caller, like, you know, dark underground guy tells you truth or dare. If you say dare, okay, well, go, go jump a fence. But then as the game gets more, everybody's logging in virtually to place bets on if you're going to die in the car chase or if you're going to get hurt or die or beat the crap out of the person. I mean, they take this concept. Yeah. Well, and I like yeah, my my favorite. I like that movie, but my favorite was Rollerball. And I think that will be, you know, where you can go to a casino in like a gladiator type event and, and you can watch and see if someone dies. Would you ever think we'll get there? We have reality shows that are. Yeah. But if you look at the dark web, it's pretty dark and twisted. It? Yeah. You it is it's this live shit. And it's, just, it's so it's Bitcoin right. because you can transfer the but, Bitcoin currency on it. I think we're we're close because I can tell you right now, I never, ever, ever thought in my life that we would see an octagon. Right. And we would see the, you know, the UFC. And, what about and, bare knuckle fighting? That, that that was pitched to come to Vegas. Yeah, but that's not, that was everybody to do the boxing with bare knuckles before Everlast became Everlast and it yeah. became an actual ring sport. Well, they told me, they tried to convince me that it's actually safer to do bare knuckle boxing because the... The gloves in a, in a heavyweight fight are like, uh, you know, they're like a, they're like a pound. Yeah. And so what would you rather be hit with? Someone's fist or, or a pound of, of glove? Honestly, I was boxing the day with my trainer, one of my good friends, and I have the black shiny Everglass ones. And they're padded. doesn't hurt as much. I would never want to be bare knuckled. If you guys all bet it and it was one of those weird twisted times years down the road where I could bet you're going to lose it, you're not, you're going to die and get hurt because this is how twisted technology is making the world. I would take a hit to go down to make a million bucks to get my face messed up to make 10 million. <laughs> well, I, I insider guess training. <laughs> anything's possible. And if you live long enough, you'll see it all. But, but you yeah. really think with the technology being this sophisticated, gamifying everything we do, that's their security and there are severe possibilities. I mean, you know, in your, in your world, in the entertainment world, when, you know, you had the music competitions, uh, American Idol, 
and having people being able to instantaneously vote. I remember there was a kooky politician when I was younger, Ross Perot, mm-hmm. who was an outball, and he used to say, I'm going to give everyone a voting machine, and, and every day we're going to say, this is what we're going to do, yes or no. This is what I'm going to do today for the country. Vote yes or vote no. And people would instantaneously register their vote as, as his definition of democracy. And you know what? We've almost become that way. Everything is really sentiment based. Everything is it's not about facts. It's not about it's about the sentiment. So I think you're going to see really the gamification of things really morph. I, I mean, it's mind boggling where this could all go. But right now, it's a it's a big effort to get all the infrastructure in place. Once it's in place, once the regime is in place, all we're going to do is expand it. It's going to be added to and we're going to push the envelope. That's what we do here in America. We push the envelope. That could be exciting or it could be scary. What would be your guesses on what Vegas is going to look like in about 10 years? Because, you know, once it was the adult playground, now it's become family friendly. Do you see it going back to being more of the adult playground where, you know, it isn't really family friendly? I think I would say it a little bit different, having been here 25 years. I think it went through a phase in the 80s and 90s of family friendly because they thought that was the strategy. They clearly in the 2000s said, we're, we're going to appeal to adult people. Now the, it's, we're going to appeal to 20 somethings. We're going to give them lots of beer and cheap, cheap thrills, but we're going to give them a festival environment 24 seven. I think where we go in the future, where I'd like to see us go is be, if you're going to go to a convention, it's going to be the best place, the best technology, the best experience. If you're going to see entertainment, it's going to be the best. It's it's going to be the biggest. You're going to be able to touch live acoustic sets of the most famous people in the world. I'd like to see Vegas be what it's always been, which is it has always been the one brand, the one unique place around the world. And I travel the world constantly. Everyone knows the Vegas brand. Everyone loves Vegas. No, the people who hate Vegas, you don't want to be friends with, honestly. Well, it's because they say what goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas. It is the epitome of Sin City times 20, 24 7. I mean, it, it is just what attracts and allures everybody to Vegas. I mean, so it's, they're, they're taking traditional entertainment you're right at the intersection of entertainment and technology. Why the online gaming? Because I mean, you know, we're a PR firm. So everything we do, we are right there at tech and entertainment. So I could argue both sides of the fence because I'm sitting in the intersection. But I also love and am so supportive of embracing leaning on tech to advance because it's not some, I mean, I get a lot of people are trying to, the gray area, skirt the line, but it's all about the spin and spin of PR, how you position it, how you grow and using the technology to reach masses is the way to go. It's just all the fine print of the illegalities is where it starts to get a little bit questionable and dicey. I, I think I'll give you one small example. You know, the, the, the feeling is that by New Year's Eve 2022 for 2022, which is a year from now or a little less, that that's when Vegas will officially come back. So we're expecting kind of a low key year. But when it comes back, people say it'll be the Roaring Twenties. Well, none of us were around for the Roaring Twenties, but but what were the Roaring Twenties? It was it was after the you know it was bootlegging. It was bootlegging. It was basically like partying, like you you're gonna like you know there's not a tomorrow. 
And I think you'll see that there's so much pent up craziness, frustration, sadness, depression that people are going to let loose and Vegas will be ready for it. We'll be ready for it and we'll innovate for it and we'll come up with things you never saw. I remember, you know, there was times I owned a supper club in a local community and we did naked body painting. You wouldn't think of having naked body painting <laughs> anywhere, but the, the staff said, we want to do it. And I said, okay, I, I, we probably violate every rule, but go ahead and do Vegas. it. Vegas. And, and what I'm saying is that's the attitude here. It's the last frontier in America that, that you want to be in. And so I don't know what all, all we're going to do, Joe. I don't know what it's going to look like or <laughs> what the positioning is going to be, but it's going to be bigger, better, badder than ever. This is my view. Well, I think I think a lot of people are frustrated. Now, I know if you've gone to Vegas, I have to be there in May for a soccer cup, and that's been delayed twice with COVID. And I just think, like, I agree with you, Steve, it's just so much pent up aggression between the politics, COVID, between the riots. People need to get out. And everybody knows going to Vegas for 24 hours to do what you want, to get it all out of your system, to leave it behind. I do think the big thing is if these guys could survive through this and get past this COVID, I think that in general, everybody into 2022 is where we're going to start to turn around to get out of this crazy madness. It's I'm assuming, I mean, it's Vegas rides, high rises and falls on the casinos. How big a hit? I mean, Vegas had have taken a big hit because they uh, shut it all down. Here's what happened. We took a bigger hit in 2008 when the economy sunk. The reason it didn't hurt so bad this time has to do a little bit with California. You have such a terrible situation in a lot of places in California that people have been leaving California and buying real estate in Nevada. And this has bolstered the economy. So I think that's been the single factor that has taken the, a little bit of the sting out of the, the hit to the casino industry. So we actually are doing remarkably well. I don't think we'll get hit at all. And by the time things come back, it will be a blip. That's fine. I mean, I think everybody's taken a loss, but I think there's a lot of money that rolls through Vegas. Yeah. You know, being down for as long as they were sucked, it was a hit, but it's Vegas 24-7. They will make it back in space compared yeah. to most companies. Great. Agreed. What what do we have? So given what you have and what's going on, you're gonna get on the road soon. You're gonna be traveling. What do we have to look forward to in a way of innovation in the online gambling? So the, biggest, the biggest innovation is in the following area more and more sports markets, so more and more things to bet on, more often, more propositions, uh, more things like bet builders. A bet builder is very, very popular with young people in Europe. It's the ability to, to formulate bets across different sports. So you could combine a football bet with a soccer bet with a hockey bet. You create almost like a parlay card of interdisciplinary sports that provide jackpot-like returns. So I'm, I'm basically gonna pay 20 bucks to win 20,000 bucks. This is what you're gonna see on the sports betting side. On the casino side, you're gonna see a lot more automation in the, in the brick and mortar casino process. You're gonna see innovations in entertainment and, and food and beverage, which I think will always be exciting and innovative. I think you'll see on the online casino, you'll see live dealer which is streaming content from the brick and mortar to the cell phone, to the smartphone. I think you'll see innovations in digital wallets and cryptocurrency. So all the things you're seeing in other industries, you'll see in the gaming industry. 
have a question. Somewhere down the road, because I know AR and VR is just becoming huge right now on the gaming side. Do you think these, given you have the whole technology to innovate online, do you think will we start replacing the dealers with avatars? So look, I, I was part of the movement of moving from traditional tables. An average table on the Las Vegas Strip costs something like 250000 in overhead to maintain. And that's why minimum limits have gone up. You can't get onto a blackjack table lower than 25 bucks a hand. It used to be you could play dollar blackjack in the, in the downtown casinos. Now the cost is prohibitive. So we move towards electronic tables, which is no live dealer, but you're sitting there with a group of people playing fully electronic. Then we said, you know what? Let's have a live dealer sitting on a stage and we'll create little pods in a stadium called stadium style gaming. And on that, you can play blackjack, you can play baccarat, you can play a roulette, and you can basically have your own experience without having to sit around a craps table, for example, with a bunch of people you may not want to be next to. Uh, and then we go to basically looking at any of these contents being delivered to your living room, where you can have a one-to-one -one experience with a specific dealer of your choice, with a game of your choice, with a DNOM of your choice. So it's just really the individualization, the localization, the, the specialization that you can create with technology. It just gives you that many more options with your basic content. The games are still the same and you will see more innovation with games. Right now, I, I sat in my office. I had a guy who I respect fly in from North Carolina last week. He said, what if you could play a slot machine, but based on what happens on the reels, it's connected to what happens on X amount of table games, X amount of crap tables, so that if the world comes together and you get a series of combinations because of all these things happening simultaneously, you win $50 million. We have the technology to do that today. I think you're going to see more of that, where you could come to Vegas and win $50, 50 million on a dollar slot, a slot machine pull because it's linked to all the content happening at a certain period. And that's going to be as of January 2022, because we need a live podcast show in Vegas then, Joe. Yes. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So let me ask you this. What is your favorite? I mean, I, not assuming you're a gambler, but given the casino and how you, you know, came up in the industry, what's your favorite game? Look, I have to know all the games. So I, I do market research. I'm not, I'm not a gambler, actually. But if I'm playing slot machines, I like the Buffalo machines because uh, they're addicting. And in fact, you know, a fully 50% of the machines on any floor will be Buffalo themed because they're popular. And a game is popular because of their, their sounds, their bells and whistles, because of the math and how they pay out, how volatile is the machine. So I like every aspect about the Buffalo slot machine. It's addicting. On the table game side, I've always been a craps player because I like the, I like the idea of dice rolling, of people getting into it, of it being a community game. So I'm, I'm a craps guy. I always thought like craps, because like craps to me is probably my least favorites because I don't know how to play it. And you only get, you have to wait forever to roll the dice, which is a fun part, but it's sevens or elevens. I just like the odds are always against you and craps. There's a I system. There's a system I was taught when I first came to Vegas 25 years ago. Anybody could learn it and they teach it. You go to the downtown casinos that you can learn playing dollar craps, they'll teach you the system. Anybody can learn it and it gives you the best odds. So you can learn the system. 
It's basically three or four things you have to learn. And you can sit at a craps table for five, six hours, and you'll have the best odds in all of the casino, including single deck blackjack on this system. So, you know, it's just a matter of educating yourself. I mean, it's not for everybody, but craps is having a resurgence actually. Among Good. Yeah. Good to know. I'm going to have to definitely uh, take that uh, class and learn how to uh, <laughs> manipulate the odds in my favor in a yeah. way. Well, you'll, you'll still have a deficit, but it's only 2%. Yeah. There you go. That's our next trip to Vegas. Oh, my God. It was so good talking to you. I'm so glad we got you on the show today. We haven't talked to we've done a lot of some esports. We've done some big sports guys, NFL, NBA guys. But this whole combining the um, digital mobile side and innovation for gambling is amazing. It's great. Great to be with you. It's a great topic. You guys do a great job. And uh, thank you for having me. Where can anybody reach or go to for more information on any of this or if they're, uh, you know, I, I have a, a company website, sccgmanagement.com. And it has a lot of information on gaming technology about what's happening. It has news feeds, newsletters, it really is the go-to place if you want to know what's happening in the gaming industry worldwide. You're okay. truly the expert in online gaming. I'm not just talking the casinos, the tables. You are truly innovating this old school playground with mobile and digital yeah. and where it's going. It's amazing the work you've done, your knowledge on this. Thank you. It was so good having you here. Good luck in California and Arizona. When can we look forward to um, seeing our states legalize online gambling? Right now, Arizona will get done before the end of the year. California, I think progress will be made this year. I think some type of regime will be put in place in 2022. And I think you could see it go live in 2023. Nice. A lot to look forward to. A lot of money to be made and lost the next year or two. It was so great seeing you, Stephen. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Sarah Miller, Media Maven Podcast and Access Entertainment. Joe Pirates, always an awesome afternoon talking to great people with you. It's fun, isn't it? It is great. So we'll see everybody next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Thanks, guys. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Media Mavens Podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or download past episodes, Subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider or on the Evergreen Podcast Network. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, log on to www.mediamavenspodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.